Well, I think it's when we have major health problems that we seek help the most quickly. Whenever we have some sort of major illness, that's when we go for help as quickly as possible. Uh, when we have minor health emergencies, we're not as fast in going for the help. And we see this particularly by the ambulance service that we have in this country. You call an ambulance when you really need help, when you are really sick. And that is why I have never called an ambulance in my life and I've never had an ambulance called for me because thankfully God has protected me somewhat and by his grace I haven't needed an ambulance. I have been to an ambulance station with my parents when I was younger. My sister rode down a massive hill on her bike, fell off uh, and uh, chipped her teeth, her chin open, blood coming out of her ear, so it was quite a uh, serious situation and we didn't call for an ambulance because um, it would have taken time for it to get to where we were and so dad drove very quickly to an ambulance station and then of course they transferred to, to a hospital to check her out. Um, that's the only time really that I can remember being around ambulance people uh, for you know, something serious like that where I was involved in seeing someone uh, have a need of an ambulance in that way. We recognise that it's with serious medical problems that we need help. And this morning we're going to be looking at a serious medical problem and someone who is seeking help for that serious medical problem. We've been working through John chapter 4 and I encourage you, if you've got a Black Church Bible, have it open to page 1053 as we look through this passage together. Page 1053, John chapter 4, and we've been looking at Jesus interact with some Samaritans as he was leaving Judea to go back to his home country of Galilee. So he was in Judea, which is where Jerusalem is. If you understand anything of the geography of Israel, you know that Jerusalem's in the south. Jesus mainly ministered in Galilee, which is in the north. And in the middle is Samaria, and so Jesus has taken a journey from Judea through Samaria to get to Galilee. And so most of John 4 is concerned with him talking with a woman at a well in Samaria, but now he has actually arrived back in Galilee. And once he gets there, somebody hears that he has arrived and comes to him and asks him for help. And we read that in verse 46. We read in verse 46, Once more he visited Galilee, that's Jesus, Cana in Galilee, where he had turned the water into wine. And there was a certain royal official whose son lay sick at Capernaum. When this man heard that Jesus had arrived in Galilee from Judea, he went to him and begged him to come and heal his son who was close to death. Jesus arrives back in Galilee and someone hears about him. They have a problem and they come to Jesus to ask for help. And so this morning I want us to learn two things from this passage. And the first is that we should beg Christ for physical life. We should beg Christ for physical life. Who is it that begs Christ for medical help in this passage? Well, it's a royal official. We see that in verse 46 it says, And there was a certain royal official whose son lay sick at Capernaum. This person, we don't know anything about them. Some people conjecture that it's another person that is mentioned in the Bible. But we really don't know for certain who he was. Uh, he may have been of royal blood, but that's not necessarily the case. Any high-ranking official would be, called to, would be seen to be a royal person, uh, acting under the king. 
uh, of the, the area, so he would be considered a royal official even if he was a high-ranking soldier. So there you go, if you're a high-ranking soldier in the military, you can be considered royal. Uh, in this instance, uh, this may be what this person is. He's simply a high-ranking soldier. And now he comes to Jesus for help. Why does he come to Jesus? Jesus is a wandering rabbi, a religious teacher, and yet this man, who's a royal official, comes to a wandering rabbi for medical help. Why would he come to Jesus? Jesus is not a medical doctor. Why would he be coming to Jesus? Why would a royal person, particularly if uh, maybe of royal blood or just a high-ranking official, why would he come to a no-name rabbi who's wandering about from Judea through Samaria into Galilee? Well, he comes to Jesus because he knows something about Jesus and Jesus' miraculous powers. It's actually mentioned in the text to us that Jesus has performed a miracle uh, and people are still remembering that. We see in verse 46, it says, Once more he visited Cana in Galilee where he had turned the water into wine. Why does it mention the water being turned into wine there? It's mentioning it because that is significant to what's about to happen, that another miracle is about to be performed. Jesus has performed miracles in the past, like turning water into wine in that area. And he's even performed miracles down in Judea. And that is told to us in verse 45 of John chapter 4 as well. When he arrives back, we see when he arrived in verse 45, the Galileans welcomed him. Why did they welcome him? Well, last time I spoke, I said it's because they had all seen that he, what he had done in Jerusalem at the Passover feast, for they also had been there. These Jews in Galilee had been in Jerusalem and had seen miracles that Jesus had been doing. So why does this royal official come to Jesus and ask for medical help? Because he knows something of the miracles that Jesus has been able to do. And why does he come then to Christ for medical help? If Christ can do medical, uh, has medical abilities to be able to give physical life, he comes because he's desperate. He's got a son who is sick. And it's not just any sickness at this stage. What does the text say? It says in John chapter 4, verse 46, And there was a certain royal official whose son lay sick at Capernaum. When this man heard that Jesus had arrived in Galilee from Judea, he went to him and begged him to come and heal his son, who was close to death. Not many things drive us very rapidly to anything in particular, but when we know that someone is close to death, when someone is seriously sick, we will travel. We will move quickly out of desperate love for that person, and particularly a parent for a child. I've learned in, I had a bit of time in medical experience, I was a podiatrist, I've learned that parents will move much more rapidly for medical care for children than they will for themselves. I've had people come to me and you recommend something for them, they go, yeah, I'll think about it. When you say it's for their child and the child needs it, they say, no problem. doesn't matter what the cost is. I will do it. If my child needs that, I will do it. They care so deeply about their child. And so what motivates this man to come to Jesus Christ? It's desperation for his son. He's moved by love for his child and wants his child to live. 
he is happy to humble himself and come and beg Jesus. We see the way that he comes to Jesus and he comes in all humility. What does the text say to us? It says that he comes to Jesus in verse 47 and begs him to come. The way this word is in Greek, it's a continuous sense that it's continually coming to Jesus. He's continuing to beg Jesus. And he travelled a fair distance to come to Jesus to ask this as well. Jesus is in Cana, the text tells us. His son is sick in Capernaum. The man lives in Capernaum. He travels from Capernaum to Cana. This is all part of Galilee. If you picture Galilee as like a state like New South Wales. So the man is in one part of New South Wales and he's travelling to another part where Jesus is to ask Jesus to heal his son. And the difference between the two places is about 33 kilometres, which would be like going from here to, I looked it up on a map, to East Hills not East Hills, Seven Hills, going to Seven Hills, walking 33 kilometres so his son could be healed and going up into the mountains. Capernaum's down at the sea, Cana's up in the mountains. This man is happy to go up into the mountains to ask Jesus a long distance so that his son would be healed. What can we learn from this man? Well, we can learn to go to Jesus Christ for physical healing too. Yes, it is good and right for us to go to God with our physical problems. Jesus is God. Jesus is a great God. And he is able to heal those who are sick, who are physically unwell. Yes, we should take advantage of the medical advances that God has granted a nation like ours. They are gifts from the Lord to us. But we should also go go to God with our physical health problems. The Bible speaks regularly of people praying to God about physical problems. Just go through the Psalms. How many of the Psalms are related to physical distress, physical foes coming against God's people? And then we see in the New Testament that uh, passages like James chapter 5, James chapter 5, that speak about the sickness when we're sick, what we should do. James chapter 5, I encourage you to turn with me there now. It's page 1199, page 1199, page 1199, verse 14 of James chapter 5, where we read, James chapter 5, verse 14, page 1199, 1199. Is any one of you sick? He should call the elders of the church to pray over him and anoint him with oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer offered in faith will make the sick person well. The Lord will raise him up. If he has sinned, he will be forgiven. Therefore confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. The prayer of a righteous man is powerful and effective. When we have physical health problems, our first port of call should be to cry out to God. Cry out to doctors as well, but cry out to God and continue to cry out to God. This man continuously came to Jesus and begged him for help with the physical health of his son. And so we should do that as well. We should come before God and beg for his help. And we should beg repeatedly, we should beg with humility. It's amazing this man was a royal official and yet he was happy to come and beg to a nobody rabbi. We should forget our status in this world. 
we should come before God and beg for mercy, particularly the serious health problems that we face. When people are even close to death, physical death, we should come to God and ask for his help. But I think there's another thing that we can learn from this passage this morning. I think we can apply these points that we have here about this man asking for healing from Jesus. I think we can also apply them to a desire that we should have for Jesus to give us spiritual healing. This man asked for physical life for his son, for an earthly life to continue. I think we can learn from this man as to how we should come to God and ask for spiritual life, ask for eternal life. And so that's my second main point this morning. Beg Christ for eternal life. My first was that we beg Christ for physical life, but we should also learn from this man to beg Christ for eternal life. While it is good for us to pray for physical life in this world, and we should do so, I'm not saying don't pray for people who are sick, We should also be eager to pray for eternal life for those around us. Now, why should you come to Jesus for eternal life? Well, it's because of sin. It's because everybody in this world faces an eternal death and judgment for their sin. We have a common proverb in our Western culture, isn't it, that there is nothing... um, there is nothing more certain than death and taxes. Death and taxes. Physical death and taxes. But I think we could also say there is nothing more certain in life than death and taxes and eternal judgment. We're all destined for eternal judgment for our sin. We are all the walking dead because of our sin. We are all close to eternal death and damnation because of our sin. We're dying people going to an eternal death, a second death. And we need to come to Christ and ask for eternal life. If you're not a Christian and you're here this morning, recognise that because of your sin you are facing an eternal judgement. And you need to come to Jesus and ask Beg for eternal life. And Jesus is the person to go to. Why did the man go to Jesus for help with this physical death that the son was facing? Why did he go? Because Jesus had done miracles before. And he expected that Jesus could do a miracle again. So why should you go to Jesus about eternal life? Because he has granted eternal life before. He has done the miracle of conversion again and again through history. He has brought people to have eternal life. There are people dwelling now with Christ. He has done it before and he can do it again. He is the only one who can give life, give eternal life. He is the author of life. Why should you go to Jesus? Because he's done it before and he can do it again. If you ask him now in repentance and faith, if you turn from your sins and beg Jesus, I trust you and your death at the cross as payment for my sin, then you can have eternal life as well. And so if you're not a Christian here this morning, I encourage you, recognise that you are close to death, an eternal death. This son of this royal official was close to death, a physical death, but you are close to an eternal death. You don't know when you're going to die. 
and then you will face judgment and eternal punishment thereafter. Come to Christ now. As you're close to death, beg Jesus Christ for eternal life. And if you are a Christian, is there anything you can learn from Jesus here and this man about begging Christ for eternal life? Yes, you've begged Christ for eternal life in the past and now you have eternal life. If you're a true Christian, that's a wonderful message of the Bible that you have eternal life even now. Death has no fear for you, ultimately, because you will pass through it. You will walk through the valley of the shadow of death and will fear no evil because God is with you and you will go into glory. But I think you can learn a thing or two from this man because remember, he was asking for life on behalf of somebody else. And that is something we are called to do as Christians. Does it distress you that many around you are close to death, like the physical death of this man's son distressed him? Does it distress you to know that so many people around you, in the world, in Australia, in your community, your suburb that you live in, your family, your friends, are close to an eternal death? Does that distress you? It should Do you realise that they are close to death, that their death could come today and then they will face judgement thereafter? Or Jesus could come back today. They are close to death. You don't know how close. It could be minutes away, it could be hours away, it may be days or weeks away, but they are close. So what does that mean you should do? You should follow the example of this man. You should come to Jesus and beg him continuously for eternal life. Yes, we should pray about their physical life. When they have health problems, the people around you, yes, you should be desperate and come to God in prayer for them. If someone close to you gets cancer, someone has a heart attack, someone has a stroke, yes, it's right for you to pray for their physical health. But do you also pray for their spiritual health? Do you pray for only physical life but not eternal life for those people that you love? I fear that many of our prayers are only concerned with physical health and not with the spiritual health of those around us. Some churches with their prayer times, they sound like hospital records. They're just going through who is sick in the church and praying for them. I visited other churches and that's what it sounds like. I try to at our church always, I pray for our physical health, yes, but it's a minor part of our corporate prayer in the morning service. I pray for the advancement of Christ's kingdom. I pray for the salvation of people around the world. I pray for the salvation of people in Australia. I pray for the salvation of our friends and family and the strangers we bump into. Why? Because they're close to death. They're close to eternal death before God and we need to pray for them and maybe your private prayer needs a bit of work is it all about physical health or is it about the spiritual health of those around you as well those who are close to death I'll give you a test case to examine yourself this week when you prayed for people in France and I hope you did when you prayed for them did you pray for their physical health only 
Yes, I found myself praying for, prevent, for those who are wounded, for those who are hurt, that they would be restored to full health. But did you also pray that this would be a time when those in France who are close to eternal death would have salvation? That God would use this disaster to bring people to himself, that the godless in France would start to try, cry out to God. Think about your prayers for France. What were they for? Were they simply for physical life or were they for spiritual life as well? Yes, we should be like the royal official and come for, spirit, uh, for physical health, come to Jesus for physical health. But we should also come for spiritual health. And so we should be doing that in our prayer points that we have before God in private. And when we ask people about prayer for them and for those that they love, we should be asking for Prayer points about unbelievers that are in their lives. I do that, you know, the members of this church, when I come around for pastoral visits, and I have three questions that I always ask you. My third one is, who can I be praying for that you're witnessing to? Unbelievers. I'm not particularly interested in praying for your aunt or uncle who may have cancer. Yes, it's sad. I'm sorry. Yes, it is. But I'm primarily concerned about whether that aunt or uncle knows the Lord and is going to enjoy eternal salvation is going to have eternal life. And so I want to pray for those. And then those people I do, every week I pray for your friends and family that you've told me about, that they would come to the Lord and that you would be a good witness to them so that they will be saved from being close to death. But how should you ask Jesus for eternal life for those around you? Well, I think we can learn from this man. He asked continuously. He begged. Remember the Greek word. It's it's continuous sense. He keeps begging Jesus. And Jesus will rebuke him, as we'll see next week. And he just doesn't give up. He keeps coming. And that's how we should be about the people that we love, family members that do not know the Lord. We should never give up on them. You may have prayed for them in the past and you think they're too great a sinner. Paul was a great sinner, but he still became a Christian. He did terrible things to the church. He was converted. No friend or family member that you know is beyond the grace of God. So you should continuously beg Jesus to heal that person. You should come to Jesus humbly. This man was a royal official, but he didn't command Jesus, heal my son. Do you know who I am? Heal him. He begged Jesus, and we should do the same. We forget forget all our grounds before Jesus that we could use to say, you must heal my mother. You must give her eternal life or you must give my sister salvation. You can't do that. You have to come like this royal official and humbly beg Jesus for salvation for those people. And it may even mean that you have to travel like this man did. If you're really concerned about the salvation of those around you, you may have to travel. Why do I say that? Can't you just go to Jesus in prayer and Instant access. Yes, that's one of the beauties of being a Christian. You have instant access to the Father through the Son. But we're also called to pray with others for those that we're concerned about. And yes, I know it's hard to get up on a Sunday morning and come to church, particularly when it's drizzling and it's winter, it's going to be cold in here. But you travel. Why do you travel? Because you come so that you'll be fed from the word, yes, but you also come for the corporate prayer, I hope. You come because we're a praying church and we pray for the salvation of those around us. And you recognize that that is important. 
It is important to gather with brothers and sisters because when we corporately come together, God does marvellous things. I've had people say that I pray too long at this church. Never had anyone say I pray too short. But I've had some people say, oh, they visited and they say, you have very long prayers. I say, well, there's a lot of the world to cover. And there's a lot of people going to hell. And we need to pray for them. We need them to have salvation because they are close to death. And so come to church on Sunday mornings. Come. You don't have to travel 33 kilometres, although we do have a family that does come from Seven Hills. But they're not travelling by foot. Maybe this royal official had a horse. We don't know. But he didn't have a car. We can come. It's not as hard as it was for this man. And come to prayer meetings. Come to prayer meetings. Desperate people in desperate times do desperate things. What do desperate people do? They come to prayer meetings sometimes. Or maybe regularly. I still remember when something awful happened to one of the families in this church. And we said at the prayer service that day, that su- the following Sunday, we would pray particularly for this family and what was going on. And everyone showed up. It was marvellous. Everyone was there. And it was about a matter that wasn't of eternal significance. It was of temporal nature. It was temporal pain for this family. But everyone showed up. And someone who came comes regularly to the prayer meetings, has always come to the prayer meetings, even when they were small at this church. They're still small in many respects. But someone who came, they said, isn't it encouraging to see so many people at the prayer meeting? And I said, yes. And they said, but isn't it interesting that there are people going to hell all around us and people don't come like this on a Sunday afternoon to pray for them. They come for physical problems, yes, but for the, physical, the eternal pain that people will suffer, our loved ones. And we do that at the prayer services. That's what we pray for. We pray for the world. We pray for Australia. Then we pray for the work of Des Moines Baptist and people that we're witnessing to as well. If you care about your loved ones, if you care about the world and the way it's going to hell, then come to a prayer meeting. You know, it's actually an advantage you have here at Des Moines Baptist that there is a prayer meeting. You know how many churches do not have a prayer meeting at all? But some churches will call one when they're desperate. And I've heard of a church just recently calling a prayer meeting. Why did they call? Because someone got cancer in the church. They care about the physical health. This man did care about the physical health, yes, and it's good to come to Jesus. But you have an advantage here that there are people who gather each Sunday, open the doors up and are here ready to hear about your friends and family who need to know Jesus and we will willingly pray for them. You may have to travel 33 kilometres to get here, but some of you don't. We should come and beg Jesus. We should want to go and be with others. We should overcome different obstacles in our lives so that we can gather with others for prayer for those that we love. We want people to be desperate about those who are going to hell and then take desperate measures. Yes, you may have a right to the things in your life, to your time, to your Sunday evenings, to your Sunday mornings. What do you have on? 
tonight, that means you can't come to the prayer service. Now, I'm not your judge. God is your judge. What were you planning to do at 5.30 tonight? God knows what you're planning to do at 5.30. He knows what you will do at 5.30. Do you have a good reason to not be here tonight? Do you have a good reason not to be here next Sunday morning at 10 a.m.? so that you can join in with people as they pray for those who are close to death. We should be desperate like this man more often. We should forget our pride. We should forget our worldly desires. We should come to God regularly, privately, corporately, for those who are going to hell. Because if we don't come and ask God on behalf of those around us, Who will? It's interesting, the son didn't come and ask Jesus for help. His dad did. Do you think your friends and family will ask Jesus for help? Will pray about their salvation? No, you are the one who will pray about their salvation. Unless, of course, they're surrounded by lots of other Christian family and friends who love them greatly. If you don't come to Jesus privately, corporately, and ask for the salvation of people, who will? come to him in prayer. My prayer is that we as a church would be a little more desperate. I think we can all be a little more desperate about those that we love. If you're not desperate about those that you love or about the world in general and the way it's going to hell, maybe you need to examine your understanding of sin and hell and love. If you understand sin better, It will drive you to prayer. If you understand the ramifications of hell, and I don't understand it, as I should, how serious it is that people are going to be punished eternally. And some of them involve my family, my friends, the people, my neighbours that are around me, the people around the world. And if you don't feel desperation, maybe you need to examine your understanding of what it means to love others. To love them, yes, by caring for them in whatever way you can, physically, but also caring for them in prayer. That is my prayer, that we as a church would be more desperate and as a result be driven more to begging God in private and corporate prayer for those who are close to death. Yes, I know we at our church do pray and we should be commended for it, but I think there's always a place for more inspiration. I was just thinking this week about my sister, one of my sisters, and I, I have no real grounds to say that she's saved. But it should move me more often, and it doesn't. I pray for her every day, but it's often a quick prayer. And I don't really get other people to pray for her. If you've got some time, pray for my sister. As I was going through this passage, I was thinking about her this week as I was trying to confront myself and thinking, I really should do more. Think about those people that are around you that are close to death. Is there more that you could do? Are there people that you could get to pray for her or for him? Let us come to God in prayer now. Let us speak to him. Heavenly Father, we thank you that Jesus is one we can go to. We can go to him for physical health. 
and we can go to him for spiritual health. We can go to him because he's healed before. He's healed physically and he heals spiritually. He gives eternal life. He is the author of life. So, Lord, we come before you now and ask that you would strengthen our mortal bodies. But, Lord, we also pray that you would help us to have eternal life. If there is anyone here this morning who does not have eternal life, may they look to Jesus now. And, Lord, we pray for us who are believers. We pray that we may be a little more desperate. We thank you for the desperation that we have shown in the past, the way that we prayed for people, for conversions, Again and again, we thank you that you've done that in our lives, but pray that we pray this morning that you would help us to do it more. May, us, may we understand the desperate times that we're in, and may we become desperate people that take desperate measures and come to you in prayer. And as we pray, oh Lord, we pray that you would indeed grant salvation to those that we care about. And we pray this in Christ's name. Amen.